Hello and welcome to Duelist Community Movie Review number two. I am unafraid because I know that no matter what happens, my value can either be raised or lowered. So going into any new situation, I'm going to see what happens and see what I can learn and see how I can grow. I'm just happy to be here with everyone. Everyone listening, you, of course, me, everybody who got me here really is just about connection and engagement and empathy because it's not about feeling right. It's not about feeling superior. It's not about feeling valuable. Really, at the end of the day, it's just about that feeling of being home where you don't feel the need to be anywhere else or be anything else or be anything at all. So I think that's really all this is about for me. And saying that, I am reminded of the movie that we are reviewing today, of course, which is Holy Man, which came out in 1998. It stars Eddie Murphy, Jeff Goldblum, and Kelly Preston. Fantastic movie. It centers around three main characters, two supporting characters, and I think one person whose journey is really the center of the story as a whole, which is Jeff Goldblum's character, Ricky. But it features a character named G. And there's a lot that goes into that, G, with a period, and that's it, and his entire outlook on life, and that's very much why we chose this movie to review, so I'm going to pass it over to Andrew now. Yeah, dude, there's so much to this movie. Actually, because there was so much, I rewatched it. I watched it, so I watched it twice this past week, and I think I could watch it another 10 times, probably. There's just so like every scene is symbolic in some way, shape or form. So I was trying to write notes of like each scene. I'm like, fuck, there's just too much. We just got to, you know, talk about it and see what happens. But essentially, from my understanding, it's the journey in and out of ego for different characters. As, as Ray mentioned, Ricky, the main character, he's so, sort of the centerpiece. And there are people, you know, revolving around him throughout the movie that are, you know, pushing him and pulling him in different directions, having impact, he's having impact on them, no different than, you know, we are with our environment at all times. And so depending on his clarity, he's able to learn things from people and see different things from people and, you know, gets pulled in and out of, you know, the egotistical desires, but also is constantly experiencing the repercussions of clinging to those e egotistical desires. And so there's a number of characters, I think, each one kind of represents a different iteration of ego in different ways, different depths to it, how how tightly they cling to that idea of themselves and all of the, you know, variations of what they cling to to get their value from it. And as Ray mentioned, G is kind of in my eyes, the representation of unity, of of wholeness of completeness and yeah god essentially is is what it comes down to and so yeah there's so many aspects to this that we're going to get into but uh it's a really really cool movie with you know if if your eyes are open there's a ton of symbolism in it and i'm excited to chat about it oh yeah from the very beginning of the movie onward it's it's just this constant lesson right from the opening scene where they're showing an advertisement about how money has its own needs, 
how you have to pay attention to money or money won't like you. And it's, it really is like its own sentient being. And what they're referring to there is the ego, right? The illusion of control, the illusion of worth, the illusion of value, the illusion of respect, right? And, and so it is almost like its own entity. We talk about it all the time in terms of it being the ego. It's not that the ego is its own entity, but it is a function. It is a mechanism. It works in a certain way. And so it's just really interesting to see the movie start off with Ricky, who is telling himself, don't fear, be myself. I'm ready. He's working himself up to go out to work. And then the next line is, you're going to like me because I'm skilled and I'm confident. And he, so he starts building his ego up to try and feel more valuable. And then he says, good, better, best, not going to rest until your good is better and your better is best. And so there's this constant running that is happening for Ricky towards what he thinks is success and value. And the only way that he knows to get there is through control. Controlling what people see in him and controlling his environment. And so he's a manager, of course. Um, and it's just so interesting to see how as the movie progresses, what happens is that Ricky's sense of control gets kicked out from under him. His boss is suddenly threatening his job. There's this person there who might actually replace him. Nothing is working out the way that he wants and then all of a sudden along comes G. So Ricky and uh, Kelly Preston's character, I can't remember her name, were driving down the road, car breaks down. Some coincidence, G is just walking down the middle of the grassy meridian. And what I love is G's entrance says so much about his pace. He's just walking along. He has obviously no direction in mind. And then he just stops, kind of pays off. Uh, pays homage to the world as a whole, kind of kneels down, then continues walking. You can see he has no direction. And then he sees these two people and he's like, two people, <laughs> do you need help? But just before that, somebody driving by throws a drink deliberately on G. And you could see the moment where he could have reacted. And instead, all he said was, thanks for not using a can which says everything you need to know about where G is coming from. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, G is essentially the representation of freedom, of being free throughout the movie. And that was, it's really like anyone listening, go watch it because you're going to have a different perspective on what it means to live and, and what you really need because they do a great job of showing how little G owns and how much of a representation of his freedom that is, how how equal it is and the, the little amount that he owns representative or going along with the amount of freedom that he experiences in his life. And because he has, you know, one set of clothes, essentially doesn't have a home, doesn't have, you know, one pair of shoes, like owns essentially nothing and is completely free. And needs for nothing wants for nothing and yet he's able to have this entire experience and, and meet all of these people and do all of these things and just express the freedom that he is and so yeah g is a very very cool character and i honestly learned a lot just from him and seeing him exist and yeah of course like he he comes across ricky and like lives in his house for a while or at his apartment for a while and so but 
he's able to, and not out of a desire to even have a home or, or have shelter. He's, he's just like kind of chilling without anything and just, you know, stumbles across all of these situations where he's able to express his freedom and you know, learn from all of the people that he interacts with. And yeah, so G's character is, there's so much to that too, in so many different situations. And I have some specific scenes written down too, that were just fascinating, but yeah, his, his character in and of itself, I think anyone watching the movie can learn a lot from. Absolutely. And what I enjoy about G's character is that he's totally aware of how people perceive him. Doesn't change him at all. He is completely aware that people are judging him, that people are making assumptions about him, that people are, are basically running him through their ego. He's totally aware of it. And you can see it. It almost amuses him because of how little power it has over him. I always find that really fascinating. Um, I want to mention to the listener, if you haven't gone to see the movie yet, do so. But if you're not going to do so, we're going to continue talking about it. Ricky actually works for a television buying network where they sell items that people don't need. And so the entire point of Ricky's life is control, manipulation, right? And at one point, I think it's really interesting, his boss sums it up really well in saying it's about making people feel that they have to have what they really don't want. And what I thought was so telling about that sentence is that's exactly the relationship that Ricky has with success. He has to have it, doesn't really want it because he doesn't know what it means. It's just that everybody else has to have it and his value is measured by it. So I, I thought that that was incredibly interesting that the mentality that, that Ricky is a part of symbolically working there, being the manager of it, still not the boss, but underneath, you know, still in that mentality, all of a sudden here he is coming across G who is the complete opposite. And it's so interesting how G ends up becoming involved with this television buying network. I'll pass it back to Andrew. Yeah. So getting into that, those sort of themes, it's like the studio is representative of the ego in another facet as well. Just the studio as a whole with all of the people working there. It's, it's like, you know, they're selling people things that they don't really need, but they try and convince them that they do and tap into that, you know, egoic desire and perception of lack and need to fulfill it. Basically, that's what the studio is doing. It's sell selling a bunch of bullshit products and just doing their best to convince people that it's what they need. And so the studio is very much a representation of that idea of control and everything in the studio is rooted in control as well. One of them being, you know, the teleprompter, for example. And I find it very funny because G comes in and first scene that he's in there, he just starts walking into this, into the sets just with no cares whatsoever. Not because he wants to change anyone, not because he feels like he should just because he can, because he's able to, he sees it there. Someone's selling some things that are promoting this perception of lack and reinforcing this perception of lack and just goes and, and talks about it and explains to people, you know, you don't really need this and, and goes through that whole scene. And then they're like, oh, this is, you know, actually working sales spiked, et cetera, et cetera. So they get him on there and they're not even able to see why it worked. They think it's just, oh, him. It's like this, this, you know, sort of pawn and we can just plop him in here 
give him a teleprompter, get him to say exactly what we want him to say, be in that control, and the same thing will work out. And they don't even see that it's the freedom that he's expressing, the lack of need, the lack of desire that people are latching onto. And so they're they're looking at the like he's looking at the teleprompter and they're like, you know, say it, say it. And he, he's not even talking at first. And then just like he says the first word, I think it's I. They're like, oh, okay. He's talking. And then he just goes on his own tangent, doesn't read a single word, and they start freaking out. And it's so funny how they can't even tell that it's his freedom that he's able to embody that allows him to express all of it. And so as it goes just with his messages, people eventually latch on to him and his messages and the expression that, you know, you don't really need any of these things. And it's actually getting people to buy more things because they're latched on to him and his message. And because they love the message itself so much, they just want to support that. And it's like the products almost become irrelevant and he's not even trying to sell them. And so I find that just very interesting, very counterintuitive to, you know, the ego can't understand that. They can't understand why he is able to do that. And he's just embodying what everyone wants to experience, really. And just because it happens to be in this situation, people are like, oh, yeah, let's support this guy. And the only way we know how, which is, you know, to buy these products. And it's like, it's not the products aren't even really relevant relative to the message that he's portraying. That you can live like this, that you can experience life like this. He even says it at one point, I always have fun. I love that line. It's it's perfect. Um, I think it's really interesting that as Ricky's life was, as he said, hanging by a thread, all of a sudden here comes G and it starts to change because G is involved with his life. There's potential now. Things are happening, right? Um, but I think one of my favorite parts in that trajectory is when uh, Jeff Goldblum's character, Ricky, is having a party at his house trying to keep his career going and there's this older client or potential client there and he's expressing that he's has this fear of flying and he's like well i can i can help you with that right now so he offers to do hypnosis and what's incredible about the scene is that it starts off with him saying you know okay you're in the plane you're having the smoothest ride the plane the plane rides perfect you barely felt yourself leave the ground and then all of a sudden he goes deep and hard into everything that the guy is afraid of. Everything. All of a sudden, like he, he's seeing it as the plane is going to go down. The, the storm is knocking it out of the sky. The pilot's screaming the whole bit. And then at that last moment of your life, and the scene is beautiful. He says, you're at the last moment of your life now. Everything's about to end. And you're not thinking about what you're afraid of. You're thinking about everything that gave your life meaning everything that made it beautiful. And then the guy comes out of the hypnotic trance and he's not afraid of flying anymore. Well, why? Because most of our fear is the end of the road, not recognizing that you know, it's the journey that it's all about. It's the journey that gives this meaning. That's what you should be focusing on, or at least that's what you can focus on towards the end. You don't have to focus on that fear. It was beautiful. It was a fantastic scene. And it says so much about G as a character. Like he's not happy because he doesn't have negative thoughts. He's happy because he's not afraid of those thoughts. Yeah, it's really uh, representative of 
the recognition that if your biggest fear happened, you would still be okay. You would, you would keep moving. You would keep moving forward. And that was, I loved that scene. I was even sitting there like feeling kind of hypnotized a little bit and then like, Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's a great point. Um, but speaking of that scene, the scene that happens right after when, uh, what's his name? Scott, uh, Rolex guy has, he asks him, you know, got any other party tricks. And so G's like, well, as a matter of fact, I do the disappearing Rolex. And so he's like, you want me to do it? Like, yeah, sure. Like, all right, give me your Rolex. It's like, well, no. And then everyone's like, oh, come on, come on. They're like, Scott, Scott, Scott. He convinces him to give him his Rolex. And so G takes the Rolex, basically goes through this whole thing, gets a handkerchief, tosses it in there, asks for a hammer. Ricky's got his shoe, bangs the Rolex. It looks like he basically busts it up. And then it's like shaking it around all broken, does this thing, it's gone. And then it's like, all right, that's it. And then as he's walking out, Scott is like, well, give me my, give me my watch back. It's like, what do you mean? It's the disappearing Rolex trick. It's not the reappearing Rolex trick. And then, and then Scott immediately is like, grabs his shoulders and like, give me it back. And as he does, his watch is on his, on his wrist and it jiggles. And this was a part that I was curious about because as soon as that happens, G responds, careful what you wish for. And what do you, what do you think that means? Because I see it as he's deriving his value from the thing that he thinks that he's lost. And that causes the agitation within him because he's like, that's a $10,000 watch, blah, 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 attaches all his value to it. So when, as it's lost, he's like, so goes a piece of his value basically. And so when G says, careful what you wish for, what, like, what do you think? of that line they gave him back exactly what he wanted his prison mm, yeah okay yeah that's uh yeah that was that was a very cool see that that one hit home as well and it's so funny just how all of the things that we think we derive our value from and it's the same you know with all the conversations we've been having this week about identity it's like it's always a prison everything you hold on to you think you derive your value from externally it's just another prison just different iterations of the same exact prison and it's not until you recognize that none of them actually mean anything about you that you're free it's not finding a new identity it's not finding more identity it's letting go of the need to hold on to it and think your value is at all derived from it so that's and that's what g represents basically the entire movie for sure. And I love the fact that that party is pivotal to Ricky, to Jeff Goldblum's character, because first he sees this client have the recognition that none of his earthly wealth and not the feeling of control were really the priority at the last moment of his life. Like he listened to all of that happening. You could see it was resonating with his characters like, Jesus, that sounds like freedom which is what he wants. He even says it at the beginning of the movie, right? And then all of a sudden, Scott, who at first threatened Ricky because he's even more Ricky than Ricky, right? He's even better at the control game. He's even more manipulative. He's even better at, at, at showing people what he wants them to see. And so Ricky was immediately threatened. And so I thought it was funny that after having that, that shift in priority for a moment, he watched his alter ego basically take a fall. 
over his watch, over this thing that didn't matter at all to the older, wealthier client, right? So I thought it was a fantastic moment for sure. So what happened after that, unfortunately, is, is what happens often with the ego. We get an idea like, oh, yeah, freedom, peace. How can I sell that? And unfortunately, that's what ends up happening is, is Ricky kind of starts to see G and the impact G is having on his life as a tool for control to even further improve his life. Right? And so I'm curious about your thoughts. Yeah, it's like as he's starting to feel more freedom, it's like the pull in the opposite direction gets stronger as well. And he's able to, it kind of reminds me of me this last week, like my mind starts getting quieter. And then it's like able to turn that into an issue. Like, fuck, what if it is too quiet and I can never think of anything? It's like, there goes that that faith. And it's it's he wasn't able to recognize that that freedom was it. He, he tries to use that freedom or use what he recognizes as it to get to the freedom that he's recognized through the only means that he knows how, through control, through you know accumulation, through all these egoic ways that we think we can get to freedom, not recognizing that the, the act in and of itself, the process that we think is getting us there is the thing that's restricting us from getting there. And so, you know, he starts using G they put him up and G's just kind of like going with it. It's almost like G the entire time is allowing himself to be a representation for whatever Ricky, wherever Ricky is at. And so he's, he's like willing to allow Ricky to get more lost in it by being used by him in a way. Cause G's just malleable. He's just, going with the flow of reality, not, you know, not resisting any of it. Just like, okay, here's something else we can do. Sure. I'll, I'll talk to people about it. And he doesn't, you know, follow any scripts. He's just like, yeah, I'm just going to share my messages and, you know, keep it rolling. But he's still recognize. It's almost like he's, he's recognizing that Ricky needs to experience this. He needs to go deeper and kind of hit, that bottom in a way that he thinks he's escaping in order to, to bounce off it and, and recognize that that was never it. Like he needs to see almost see the end, which of ego, which eventually, you know, he does towards the end of the movie, but G is, is so willing to go through whatever process Ricky needs to, that he allows him to use him as a tool to, to reinforce the thing that G knows is going to, you know, send him deeper into a prison, but he's allowing him to do it. He's not trying to control Ricky and tell, like, tell him like, no, you don't want to do this. You know, you sure you want to do this? He's just kind of there for it. Not, not having so much of an opinion of it. Well, it's funny. Cause he even asks, is this what you want? Because I'll help you. And it's like G actually recognizes the larger trajectory because if you see what is, when he voluntarily goes back on with the agreement that he's going to help Ricky, he starts off with, why are we here? And then he starts to say, like, I've been watching. 
I've been watching how we get obsessed with all of this, that we're looking outside ourselves, that we don't recognize our value. It's time to change. And that's the moment where he starts building this community. He brings out the picture of Ricky. He's like, when you see this guy, just compliment him, hug him, because that's what Ricky's going to need at the end of his trajectory. That's what's going to help usher his change. And so even the community of people buying stuff for the sake of being close to G is still the momentum of mentality that buoyed Ricky throughout his entire transition. And so G, the entire time, whether Ricky understood it or not, was helping him in a bigger way than just helping him keep his job. It was beautiful. It was really well done. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty incredible throughout. And then, so yeah. And then, so basically Ricky goes through this and they're starting to see success and he gets to a point where, you know, boss is happy. What's his name? McBainbridge is uh very happy with performance and sales and everything. And basically tells, tells Ricky that, you know, I'll give it to you. You just gotta, you know, keep G around and, Kate may may or may not be a part of it, but you know you get what you want. You get the corner office. Meanwhile, you know he's started to date Kate. Things are going well. He kind of has everything that he could want, and it's still that idea of more. Like it's it's never enough when you're trying to satisfy those egotistical desires, and so. By the end, he gets, you know, McBainridge gives him the corner office and it's like, well, shit, what was the trade-off? Trade-off was all of his freedom, the love he was feeling in his life. It was everything that he actually wants for the perception of, you know, getting what he has wanted the whole time being, you know, control, power, whatever. But he had to trade all the things that actually sets you free and you actually desire the entire time until he's able to see that, you know, finally towards the end. Yeah. And that's very much the lesson. One thing I want to say that I found really funny was that G, although positive, wasn't afraid to rock boats. He would say things that were straight up uncomfortable for people, but he would say it from a place that was empathetic and even a little enthusiastic, which I thought was very telling and a little instructive to some degree. It's very much what I try to do in most of my life, keep it light, right? See myself and others. So I really appreciated how that came across. But what made me laugh was the scene where different religions were trying to take ownership of where G was coming from. Oh, he's obviously inspired by, uh, you know, Catholicism, Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's obvious that, you know, the Buddha is his teacher, things like that. Like, it's just, they couldn't grasp the fact that this is just something that happens when you get out of the way. When you're selfless, we're all G. Yeah, uh, it's so funny how in that mentality, you can't recognize that this is able to be recognized and applied to ever to universal recognition that just certain people have recognized and then we're like, you know, put them up on a pedestal for having recognized it, which undermines the entire thing they were trying to say the entire time, which was that, you know, the fictions you cling to, the identities you hold on to, the division you perceive will always reinforce the root of your suffering, that core thing that you're trying to avoid the whole time. And then 
you know, because this person's recognized it, we put them up here and then it's like, no, they're the one who recognized it. You have to follow them and following them, holding on to a teacher, never going to fully get there, never going to fully get there. And, and so G is such an awesome representation of just someone who's just kind of floating around reality is not holding on to anything so tightly, not trying to be anyone for anything, not following anyone, not trying to lead anyone. He's just being himself, being free in himself. And through that, people latch on to that message because that's what everyone's trying to figure out. It's where everyone's trying to get to, but we're trying to do it through more control, more identity, more lack and need and all these things. And those all are going to take you further from the recognition of freedom. So yeah, it's uh yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No. And there was one scene where he was really making that clear. Just go look at the grass. Just go look at the grass. Just go find a patch of grass and just, just look at it. Right. Let go, give in, take the journey. Like the message is so simple and he's not saying you have to do it all at once. He's not saying you got to go from the living the life that you're living to being some monk that's given up everything, but give up a little bit of what you've attached yourself to just a little bit. And you'll have a little bit more freedom. And he actually expresses that at one point. And then maybe you're going to go out, have a different conversation. Maybe you're going to go out, make a different choice than you would have otherwise. The world changes. That's exactly the point that we've been making throughout the last three seasons. Now we're into season four, because that's the point. It's not about what you believe. It's about you being free and understanding that the prison that you are bound by is largely a prison that you have habitually built because the people around you have been teaching you to build it your entire life because they don't recognize that they've been taught to build it as well. And we've just been doing it habitually for centuries. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so another character we haven't talked much about also that I want to talk about was Kate too. Um, so she, she's interesting because I feel like she hasn't, you know, recognized the things that she has by any means, but she's also, not so caught up in herself, like McBainbridge, like Ricky, like Scott, like all of those characters in the same way. And so her her character, it's still an iteration of ego, but it's not, it's like through a perception of lack in yourself almost, as opposed to or a different iteration of lack, I think. Cause it's, it's like, they're all experiencing lack as well, which is why they're striving for all of those things, but she's experiencing it through almost being selfless, but not through a recognition of wholeness. It's through trying to fulfill that void in a certain way. She just goes about it a different way, but I'm curious about your, your thoughts about Kate. I think G sums up Kate really well in one scene where he says, uh, Kate listens. She actually hears you. And it's because she's not trying to figure out how to use everything in her environment to her advantage. And I think that's largely because of the story that she shares about her relationship with Scott, where Scott and her became a thing. And then he used that relationship in order to further his own career, ultimately hurting hers. Right. And so I think that when we meet Kate, 
she is coming out of that. She is more or less like, I'm not going to trust anyone. Everybody is very much egotistical and she very much expresses that at some point. And so she has that sense of lack that she can't connect to people. She can't trust people, which is why G is such a pivotal character for her because G just connects to her immediately. The moment they met, he just zones right in on her and they connect because they're listening to each other. Right. And that's what gives her a sense of hope. It very much changes her perspective. It makes her a little less skeptical of Ricky. Right? So, yeah, I really enjoyed her character because it was coming from a different place. Like she recognized that being at peace in herself was what she wanted. More than Ricky did by any means. And definitely more than the boss did because that was I think one of the most interesting things was when Ricky decides to to sell out G towards the end I know if you've watched the movie you know he doesn't go through with it and if you haven't watched the movie I just told you he doesn't go through with it but there's this moment where he's like you know let me show you your new office let me show you your new digs and the boss is all laughing like yay for the company blah 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 as soon as he leaves the office the first person Ricky calls is Kate there was this moment where he realized what his priority really was. And that's why the very next day he didn't go through with it, right? Deciding instead to set G free. Yeah. And that's something I don't know if we do often enough, like actually think about what our priorities are. Like we're so caught up in just more, 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 like add, add, add more identity, more things, more stuff that we don't actually recognize, like in the hypnosis scene, like what our actual priorities are. And so I think that's a very telling message and and lesson just to take, you know, some time to sit back and think like, what are my actual priorities? Like I, I'm so caught up in striving. I don't always even know what I'm striving for. And there was a, the scene with the, uh, chainsaw when she takes the chainsaw and basically like carves up the table and everything and he says something along the lines of we're working all the time but what do you really gain we consume we acquire and we waste we yawn at creation but thrill at destruction and that whole scene is just so powerful because we're always working striving doing all these things and, and it's like we're conditioned to not even know what we really want. And we're so caught up in this mindset and in our society of striving and striving and striving, but we don't actually think about what the end goal is rarely. And it's at the end of the day, it's freedom, which is promised to us through, you know, retirement. You know, we get to the end and then we can, you know, stop working and enjoy, you know, the last 10 to 20 years of our life when you know we're too old to do most of the things that we were able to do. And that brings me back to McVeighbridge, the boss. I found that just a fascinating representation that he is still so old and still in such an egotistical mindset of making more money, having more power, having more control. It's like, can he not like you're you're gonna die soon, but it's because of that ceaseless desire of the ego to have something like a legacy. It's like he wants it to live on after he dies. And so 
of course he wants to keep building as as big as as he can have as much money as he possibly can and it doesn't even matter when he dies because he's holding on to that idea of himself as living on beyond when he dies leaving a legacy of you know a powerful network or whatever it may be but it's just so interesting how someone at that age what he looked like he was 75 at least can still be so caught up in that mentality because there's no end to it there's no end of the road that we think there is we think there's going to be a day where you know we become free through striving and and gaining and acquiring but that day never comes and it's what scott is inevitably going towards is being exactly like that character because that's what they're investing in as the means of happiness and the longer you do it the more habitual it comes right that's unfortunately the fact and that's why it's harder to change our habits as we've gone further and further down the road it doesn't mean it's impossible and what i think is really interesting is that just as early on in ricky's journey he started getting hugs from random strangers because it's not just freedom it's connection. Connection reminds us of freedom in the same way that freedom reinforces our experience of connection, right? So when people come to us and make us feel safe, all of a sudden there's a little bit more freedom. And so I really enjoyed it towards the end of the movie where Ricky wasn't afraid of him. In fact, he was kind of laughing at him in the same way that G would have laughed at him. And he's like, you know, everyone, you know, give him a hug, give him a kiss, right? And then he resists the guy who's giving him a hug, get away. And he's like, violent about it he's like get off of me whereas ricky didn't do that he didn't have that same level of resistance when the first person hugged him he's just kind of like this is a low moment for me <laughs> and it's funny how we perceive it that way when in fact it's the birth of your freedom it's a high moment compared to the hell that you lived in before right so i thought that was really interesting as well yeah but it's like we can't tell that it is because we have this idea of what freedom is and that's really interesting. We have this idea of what freedom is, so we can't even see it when it comes because it's not an idea. It's the lack of one. It's the lack of a concept. So we're always holding on to this idea that we're going to get to freedom. And it's never it. The description is never the described. Like That idea of freedom that we hold on to at the end of the road, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, it's never what freedom actually is. It's like we're, we're freedom is right there the entire time. We're so, so caught up in the idea that it cuts us off. And anytime we hold on to any idea, concept, illusion, belief, it cuts us off from the freedom that's available in, in every single moment. So they're not even able to recognize it when it's smacking them right in the face because you know they have the idea that through acquiring and, and gaining and making more money and getting the corner office, they're going to be set free. And the entire time, it's just weighing them down more and more and more and more yeah absolutely when they could be living their full potential just being where they are as they are accepting themselves as they are and that's why i enjoyed towards the end of the movie when g who could not have heard ricky's original litany of uh, self-motivation says in his ear your good is better and your better is blessed I thought that was perfect, right? And that also kind of inspires the question of, does G period stand for God? Yeah, uh, I think that's gotta be exactly what they were trying to do there. And 
yeah, it's it's funny how they can actually create a character in a movie that embodies it so well, so well. And it makes you wonder, like, how many people actually saw, like, what they were doing. And if we're not so caught up in cognitive dissonance and our ideas of what everything is, that most people still aren't even able to see that that is actually a possible way to live. I I feel like so many people who see that movie probably potentially miss that and are still caught up in in the studio's egotistical mentality of getting to freedom. They won't even be able to see that you know, oh G is actually the freest of them all. Like that's what we actually want because you know people see him and they're like, "Well, he's homeless. He has one pair of clothes, one pair of shoes, you know, doesn't have any money. It's like, I don't want that. I could never want that. So they missed the entire point of that character being that, no, that's, that's capable forever for anyone that's achievable for anyone, but gotta let go of all of those shiny objects and control and illusions that you cling to for, for the belief that, you know, that's, what's going to set you free. Absolutely. And on that note, we're going to end this review of Holy Man. If you haven't checked out the movie, definitely do so. It's so worth watching. It's definitely one of my favorite Eddie Murphy movies as a whole. I think he's brilliant in this movie. And of course, Kelly Preston and Jeff Goldblum are always brilliant in this movie, just the way they all work together, the way they brought across the point. And what you were saying is absolutely true. Unfortunately, that some people will watch that movie and aspire to be more Ricky than more G which is kind of a funny sentence in itself. Uh, unless you have anything to add, we're going to end the episode here, sir. Sounds good. All right. Bye, everyone. Take care.